0: Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast, coming to you live from deep underground in the Comic Book Dungeon, and from the Comic Book Garage, featuring the Wolf-Spider Deadly Arena. I am your host, Mark.
1: God damn it. (laughs) Uh, And I'm Cruz, victim of the last Wolf-Spider.
0: Ah, jeez. How's it going, man? It's going Good. Going good. We have uh, some subscribers, which are more subscribers than I thought we would have, which is awesome. Exactly.
1: Yes, yes. All nine of you, we love you. Okay? (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I gave gave it a listen. I I wasn't happy with my voice quality. So, uh, I got some new equipment. Yeah, I um, raided my daughter's closet. And uh, I remembered last Christmas they wanted to be aspiring YouTubers. So... I took the Toys R Us YouTube Heroes Beginning YouTuber set <laughs> that never been used that we bu- I bought them for Christmas, and I plugged it in. <laughs> so hopefully this this ha- sounds a little bit better than using a Bluetooth.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that you're finally getting something out of the the Fisher or the Hasbro Fisher Price YouTuber kit.
1: Hey, dude, it's got popular
0: MMOs branding on it. This shit is legit. sounds legit (laughs) um if we're starting out with embarrassing confessions um nobody caught this no prize well the second podcast i recommended last uh or last game or last game last podcast (laughs) i had said it was the um uncanny x cast they have not broadcast in over a year now adam and jeremy are part of the Uh, Danger Room X-Men commentary podcast. So that's what I meant to recommend. Uncanny X-Cast is good too, but it's been like 13 months since they put out an episode. So, no no prizes were given. Sorry about that.
1: But if it's not a no prize, does it mean it's a yes
0: prize? Because it's a double negative? That, uh, that is getting way too meta for me (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Um... I also wanted wanted to thank Dr. Acula, which is a totally innocent, innocuous name. Uh, He left us a five-star review saying, uh, great, that he loves the deep dive. Um, He also contacted me with some really good feedback on the show about ways that we could improve it. And again, if you guys want to get in on this conversation, if you want to give us that good, positive feedback or constructive feedback, constructive feedback isn't, fuck you, you suck. It's, hey you might want to try this. Uh, you can reach us at the Comic Book Dungeon podcast at gmail.com and we will happily uh, accept it cuz we're trying to make this show even better for you listeners. Yes, absolutely. Um I also want to level with you. Since we posted this first episode on iTunes, I wanted to let everyone know my experience with iTunes and that is of course that is a ra- uh, ravenous bitch goddess that Uh, Slakes, (laughs) it's insatiable hunger with pain and iTunes reviews. So if you would like to help us out with that, we'd appreciate it. Again, since uh, posting that first episode, iTunes has pitted us in its terrible gladiatorial combat arena against other comic book podcasts, and the only thing we can use as weapons is your reviews. So we've already had to fight the likes of Jane Miles explain the X-Men in 11 O'Clock Comics, so we need those reviews to keep us safe.
1: Yes, please, throw us a like, get us a, give us a review, positive, hopefully. Uh, we can only get better, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll take the negative
0: to increase our SEO.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever it takes.
0: By the time that you guys are hearing this, I should have my first blog entry up on our website, which is comicbookdungeonpodcast.podiant.co, so that's .p-o-d-i-a-n-t tco And if you would like to respond to it, and again, telling me I don't know what I'm talking about, or uh, I might want to edit my work a little bit more, uh, you can contact us again at comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. But my first blog entry that I have written is about why I switched over to digital comics. And everyone will be on comic books or different pop culture topics. So again, if you have suggestions for that or topics you'd like to hear, you can contact us through the website or through our Gmail account awesome you have awesome. anything uh, you have anything else you want to add to that Cruz? uh
1: perhaps no actually I, I think we should uh, get jiggy with this uh, you, you've definitely made some interesting uh, allusions to uh, arena style combat
0: yeah I seem to have it on the brain for some reason it, i I wouldn't know why I
1: wouldn't know why um, so uh, how about you uh, go ahead and lead us into uh, number 20
0: of uh marvel Comics' amazing adventures featuring war of the worlds okay this is from september of 1973 forgot to mention this with issue 19 that was the first time that we had the cover featuring that war of the worlds logo and to the right of that we have the uh cool field it's got two tripods uh blowing up a field with some uh I don't know some sort of structures maybe a fence in there and there's a psychedelic ebcot center in the background that i'm pretty sure is supposed to be mars so that's going to be the war of the worlds up on the on the top with that little logo that's going to be with us for the rest of the uh, kill raven series and that started with issue 19
1: awesome awesome and uh, i mean we're gonna try and stick more story-wise from here on out but uh i i do like breaking down some of the art
0: yeah i absolutely and i think with the we after last episode we made the decision we're going to do only one comic per episode so i think it definitely if we're going to keep to a 45 minute or 45 minutes to an hour format i think what we did last time is good it's just we were a little crazy trying to do two issues of that in one episode uh yeah
1: that definitely a little crazy and, and definitely yeah. Uh uh i don't know what time you went to bed but yeah it was pretty
0: late yeah for me as well Uh, okay well i i
1: mean uh let's kick it off with the cover it's we've got those tripods again which is a classic design uh kill ravens uh found a new wardrobe apparently
0: yeah, which it the the full new wardrobe didn't make its way on the cover. I guess they didn't want to ruin the surprise. Uh, I know they did not.
1: They they, they it's an abbreviated, <laughs> sorry, uh, abbreviated. <laughs> ver- <laughs> yeah, I know. Being punny, uh, an abbreviated version of uh, of what he, he later dons as his uh, his new garb of choice. But uh, we've got a, a apparently a new enemy on board here, and. Uh, It kind of tells you his name in a nice bubble on the bottom right.
0: Uh, He is the Warlord. He, in my notes, is mostly referred to by a different name. Because the first thing I noticed about this guy, he's a muscular guy. He's got gray hair, cut short. He's got a robotic arm and a cybernetic eye. Okay, okay. This is clearly a 1970s appearance of Cable, Nathan Summers. (laughs) I mean, the arm and the eye are on the wrong side. I get that, but this is a this is a different universe that's later established than the mainstream Marvel universe. So this is clearly the Nathan Summers of that universe. He's he's become a, a the corrupt warlord.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I gotta say, his eye, his his cybernetic eye here. Everything else looks really awesome. I mean, they're still doing a bang up job with the with the art. But the eye looks like it's about ready to fall out. Yes, it does. Yeah, you know, one get like whack on the back of his he- back of his head, and I expect that thing to pop out like someone's glass eye and just go rolling down the freaking street.
0: When we see him in more detail later, I I I've I broken down some of the absurdities of his costume. I also like that his costume on the cover has been palette swapped for his uh, appearance inside the issue, because he's wearing oh. green now and he's wearing red. Uh, in in the actual issue, no, I did not catch that. I also like behind him that the uh, I, I, those are supposed to be some of the human collaborators. Those absolutely look like the generic extras that you would see in the background in GI Joe. Even the rifles look very similar.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah they it's it's freaking Soldier Number One and Soldier Number Two. Exactly.
0: Oh yeah. What I really like about this cover, and you almost never see this in modern comics, is that modern comics, they don't like it to be cluttered with a lot of writing outside of the title, but we've got those two word balloons. You almost really? never see word balloons in modern yeah,
1: comics. Yeah, yeah, that definitely did uh, draw some attention there. You don't really see that too often. And it gives you a little bit of a, a teaser into the story. Apparently, Kill Raven robbed the warlord of his hand, and... Uh, and it's his right hand, so you knew he was really attached to that one. Um, and uh, apparently he's on a quest of vengeance and wants to get back, uh, get back at
0: our, our uh, daring doer, Mr. Killraven. As I would be if my right hand was robbed from me. We also get another nice preview because we see uh, several planes being blown up in the background with TWA written on them. And uh, those generic G.I. Joes and the tripods are shooting at the free, man, uh, the free men, uh that you can... You almost the... called them free bases. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a much different comic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, they're in the background there, and they're definitely taking some heat from those generic G.I. Joes.
1: Yeah, yeah. It they, they
0: appears that um, things will not be going well for our hero. Yeah, this definitely the, – the the cover sucked me in, and I've pr- uh, perused the next couple covers as well. This is a series that every cover I just – I really enjoyed. The next one I can't wait to get to because, one, I want to stick a pin with what you – with the, the pun you made about briefs and get back. <laughs> That's really going to have some fun play on the cover of next issue. Uh, but, yeah, this – every cover so far I've really liked, and this is no exception. Um story here uh for this uh, issue issue 20 was by marf uh marv wolfman herb trippy did the art frank uh giacoa inks Glenis ween colors and roy thomas was the editor awesome
1: yep so uh moving on to our our first page here uh our our buddies kill raven and mashula i'm sure i'm murdering any sort of pronunciation of that whatsoever (laughs)
0: I agree with the, that's that's in my head. That's how I've been pronouncing it as Mishula. right? Well,
1: they're they're up to their usual antics, uh, fighting collaborators and uh, getting down dirty, swinging some steel around and firing off energy pistols, and uh, they they, they kind of give you a little insight into their relationship with some uh, some friendly banter back and forth while uh, while while we're going through you know a quick little. Prelude, a, not prelude, a, a quick little setting placer of, uh, you know, it's 2018, and, uh, you know, it's a time of death, you know, and it kind of recaps the invasion from the Martians and Kill Raven's quest, as it were, to uh, kill all these mindless slaves and hunt down their masters, the invaders from Mars.
0: Um, Something that really stuck out to me, like you said, they both have the laser pistols, which we learn later are called energy guns. But Killraven has, I believe that's the same sword that we saw the previous couple issues. Meshula, for some reason, is equipped with a like a mini knight's lance, which it just does not seem like the most practical weapon.
1: And... Well, it's a piercing weapon. It's not a swiping weapon, okay?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I... I, I'm, it's not that i'm picking on him because the thing that really stood out to this page seeing them side by side is just how much i enjoyed his or i like mashula's costume way better than the weird uh singlet mankini that uh that kill Raven wears
1: yeah i i wholeheartedly agree mashula looks you know ready to get down and dirty with his uh man fro bun and uh I don't I don't know what you call the flippity floppity things on the shoulders, man. Yeah, it's, I don't know.
0: It, it's like someone someone really liked epaulettes and went like a little crazy with it. <laughs> Definitely, because it, it, it's like you said, they're epaulettes, but they're not the 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 outside side of them is not attached to anything, and they're just flowing like like many flags in the breeze, and they they circle his arm completely.
1: Yeah, yeah, That must tickle your armpit. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's down, he's down and dirty. He's ready to go,
0: man. One thing I have to say, I, I do like this page. It was a little there. I, I, I think this was a bit of a time saver for them. If you look the background is completely white and that's not like you don't see that often in comics, but this would have been a great opportunity for more of that post apocalyptic scene that we've enjoyed in all the, the, the first two issues. But yeah, it's, you see the street in the foreground, but behind them it's completely white. Right, and uh, we see them murder uh I don't want to say murder, but we see them in battle, they slay a couple of uh, collaborators.
1: Oh yeah, they uh, you know, they don't explain how this fight started it, it's once again, it throws you into a running fight, which you know it, it keeps the action coming at you.
0: yeah, I enjoy that that these issues they really they hit the ground running you. You don't need to know that backstory of how this happened, but the first, the issue 18 started out the same way. Kill Raven's in a fight, and you get the explanation along the way. Right. Um, on the next page, Kill Raven, he's uh, wounded in the shoulder, again, by an energy, uh, energy pistol, or yep. an energy gun, as they call them. But that does not slow him down.
1: No, he's just shrugging it off, man.
0: Yeah, we learned that they only we, that first page. We saw them use the last of the energy in their pistols. Um, they're now being overwhelmed by the enemy. Killraven is wounded, and they take cover in a museum, which conveniently, according to the text, houses all the weapons mankind ever created. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently,
1: Killraven uh, in his journeys has been here before, and uh, he he kind of knows what he's doing. He's uh, he's thinking tactically on his feet
0: this this looks like a museum that i would want to i would want to visit a museum that has that's just all modern or all weaponry that man has ever created i don't think that that necessarily exists uh, well you know actually
1: uh, the museum of natural history in new york has some really interesting weapon exhibits from different stages of history
0: I guess, like you said, since Kill Raven has been there before, that's what he would have focused his efforts on. So I could see why he would miscommunicate communicate that because that's what was important to him. He would not be focusing on the pottery exhibits. He would be thinking more so of only those weapon exhibits. So I'll exactly. I'll withdraw my criticism.
1: Actually, if I remember it correctly, there's like a, I think it's like a thirty foot long Viking sail ship that's hung from the ceiling in that place
0: cuz they I, I, they never named this museum which i thought was odd cuz they usually like to name drop that but this definitely seemed to be a natural history museum
1: right yeah yeah totally and uh him and machula are uh you know doing that little good, that little buddy cop banter you know where where they're they're almost i, I don't, I don't want to say it because, but it feels like they're almost effortlessly you know taking down uh, these uh collaborators and uh, as they're making a tactical withdrawal, because they're not running away, they're, you know, they're just luring these guys into a battleground of their choice.
0: Yeah, this was definitely a tactical retreat. They needed to improvise because they, they, they were running low on, weapon, or on ammunition for their weapons. But yeah, this was definitely a cultivated, it was an improvised plan, but it was definitely a plan.
1: Right, as they're going back and forth, you know, there's a little back and forth between Killraven and Mashula, you know, a little buddy-buddy talk and, a, you know, kind of more uh, practical talk, you know, like, oh, dodge this and, uh, you know, uh, you know, don't mention it, thank you, just do the same for me as they, as, you know, Mashula takes an enemy off of Killraven and Killraven returns a favor by uh, doing his trademark, throwing sp- a spear into somebody's heart, except this time from behind.
0: Yeah, this, this issue to me was definitely defined by the banter between Killraven and Mashula. They definitely have a uh, banter almost the entire issue through, which isn't something that we'd seen the first two issues. So they're definitely trying to, one, differentiate, I think, Mashula from the other free men, that he's almost Killraven's equal. And they talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, there's definitely, they're trying to set them up as, as, as like you said, having that banter, having that relationship.
1: Right, exactly, Uh, and it makes me wonder what they're going to use it for later.
0: Yeah, I I can't wait to see where this series goes, but like you said, they're being pursued by the Keeper's Men. Uh, We learn that they've been promised a special reward for capturing Killraven. Yep,
1: Um, but not (laughs) Meshula.
0: Yeah, which we will learn in a minute, which (laughs) some of that is very cringeworthy. Uh, I do enjoy Killraven's plan here. Because he quickly shimmies on top of an Egyptian statue and knocks it, lures the uh, two of these collaborators into a room to chase him, and he knocks over this like two-story-tall statue on top of them. Yeah, brilliant
1: maneuver. While uh, while that's going on, Mushuila's retreating back into uh, another section of the museum where uh, he's being pursued, and he happens upon a crossbow.
0: This this was a, a slightly <laughs> cringeworthy page for me because. This guy, he – the way that the, the collaborators differentiate uh, the two is they call Killraven, they'll point out his hair, he's redheaded, and they'll dress him as such. But Mashula just becomes the black or black. Yeah, yeah. The the only thing that this collaborator that's chasing Mashula was missing. The only thing they forgot to draw on him was the red "Make America Great uh, Great Again" hat. Just for and oh like, there's like five <laughs> panels on this page, and he calls him black like three times.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they had to draw draw
0: attention to this. I'm I don't sure, know why. I'm sure uh, if he would have escaped, he would have gone back to report it to the Martians. Kill Raven was scavenging weapons while. Uh, Mashula was looting. I'm sure he would have differentiated that in his mind. And I am I was even, I was debating about if I was going to bring that up or not, but I thought it was – because that's absolutely where my mind went because this oh, guy was man. so obsessed with Mashula's race.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's – God damn it. He was looting, I swear. We had to put him down.
0: All right, enough I of mean, that. <laughs> there was no, he wasn't chasing Killraven. So there was only Mashula in the museum that he was focusing on. We didn't need him to address him as the black three times. We knew who he was referring to or who he was talking to.
1: Yeah, hey, uh, why not call him the one with the better fashion sense?
0: Yes. Or the or, guy you know, with the man bun. Or the exactly. Photo.
1: The man bun. Because he the, kept,
0: uh, like, I he call kept it the saying, man fro saying, "Yeah, like the redheaded one is the one that we're after." So if you're using the hair to differentiate them, I would have just said the redheaded guy and the the, the guy with the fro. But hey, that's I'm not the racist in the post-apocalyptic future. So hey, I'll just let yeah. him do him.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. And, and Michela lets him do him too for a little while and eggs him on a little bit here and there. And keeps luring him further and further in because Mashula's got a plan.
0: Definitely. Like you said, he gets that crossbow and uh, he's got a plan.
1: He's got a plan. There's a, there's a little. Uh, there's a great little panel uh, where Mashula's further retreating with this crossbow and uh, his pursuer is mocking him. He's heckling him. He's like, ah, uh, you're
0: running. Good. Make it easy to destroy you, black. Again, there's only now been six panels of this chase and we've hit he's called him black three or four times. Oh crap. But yeah, uh Meshula has lured him uh the this collaborator, this uh underneath a cannon which they had hung from the ceiling, and he uses the crossbow to sever <coughs> one of the ropes in a very satisfying spLAT! Uh, the the cannon hits him from behind and just I guess totally splatters him against the uh, or uh, across the museum. Oh yeah,
1: it's got to have just just I, I mean, yeah. I think even Mishula looks a little kind of like grossed out by it. You know,
0: yeah. I would have loved to have seen the uh, the the aftermath animated, but uh, but you know it's great just because of the splat that we get.
1: Uh, yeah, and it gives you that that cloud look. It looks like you know just. Like a blood mist just came out after he got freaking <laughs> rear-ended by that
0: damn cannon. Not sure if a blunt force cannon drop would do that to a body, but I'm gonna I, go I don't with think so.
1: it. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't, yeah, you know what? It's the future. Who knows, man? Yeah.
0: Um, then we get a nice uh uh a uh, couple panels here where Kill Raven throw it, it. It appears that he's throwing one of his silver stars at Mashula, and he says. I'm um, ending the life of a traitor, which confuses Mashula. But, of course, he was aiming at uh, uh, a, a collaborator who looks kind of like Bull from Night Court, uh, yes. who was behind Mashula. And I have to draw attention to that panel on the top of page six. If you look at the lines from the Silver Star, that clearly went through Mashula's eye. I mean, the line even breaks up around his eye. Well, Maybe he just took his eyebrow <laughs> off. Well, oh, yeah, because you can't see his whole eyebrow because of the line's bisecting it, which again goes with my theory that that clearly just made Meshula into a cyclops. But no, yeah, it was just supposed to impart that it flew right by his head.
1: Yeah, dangerously close. Yes. Yeah, and it, it impales the uh, the arm in, of uh, the collaborator, knocks his gun out and disarms him, and Killraven comes in like a badass, just out to kill somebody
0: he looked deranged in that lower left hand panel because one of his eyes looks like it was drawn bigger than the other yep i also like the speech he gives about the collaborator the one behind you the traitor who sold humanity to our martian conquerors who bows to martian gods I just, I, I I wanted to make a note of that. He's always, it's like he practices these things ahead of time. He has a bunch of these ready-made speeches about the collaborators and about free men and their will. So I always like when he throws down with some of that. He's very eloquent. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, he is very eloquent for a guy that wears a freaking leotard for most <laughs> yes. of his battles.
0: For somebody with no pants, yes. He, 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 he speaks like a poet. It, it, <laughs> exactly
1: uh yeah and uh you know he doesn't you know even though that panel um it it gives you the feeling that he's just basically gonna run this guy through uh no uh kill raven is you know not only a, a tactical thinker he's a strategic thinker and he's gonna interrogate this bad boy
0: yeah, we learn that he uh, he wants to interrogate him uh, because he's looking for information on the Keeper's whereabouts, and he's also looking for their weapons and supplies.
1: Right, but uh, unfortunately, uh, as we go to page uh, 9, uh, we learn that uh, the collaborators have been conditioned to uh, basically suicide before giving off any
0: information. Yeah, I like the uh, I I I like where he when he's trying to reveal the information we get a LaGuardia as he dies. I know exactly where that is. Yeah, it's especially with the 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 planes on the cover. They gave us enough information to know that LaGuardia is actually Laguardia Airport. Spoilers. Yep.
1: Spoilers. But no, no, no. We can't. We're, we're not going directly over to there because first. First, our heroes realize they're in this museum that has all these wonderful weapons and armor. So what else are we going to do other than have a fashion show and costume change?
0: I'm glad you called it a fashion show because that's what I have it down in my notes as well. It's <laughs> a fashion show. <laughs> yeah. And what I, all I could think of, because he's holding up some chain mail in front of him... Um, and Mishula points out that might not be the most practical because of how much noise it makes. And the one thing I definitely put in my notes here was, all I could think about is I hope that Killraven finally puts on some fucking pants.
1: Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> I also I also have to say, as they're looking through the weapons, um, Mishula isn't as hot on this as, as Killraven. Well, that's probably because he's wearing actual clothing. But no. uh, I did think that the... <laughs> Their uh, their buddy banter took on a a darker tone when uh he told Mashula that he still thinks like the dirt crawler that he is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely got a little dark there.
0: Yeah, I just maybe it was just me after the racially charged uh previous page that that was perhaps the just just kind of an insensitive thing to to call Mashula, but maybe that's just me. Yeah,
1: maybe that's just how they get along. Maybe it's an abusive relationship.
0: We definitely see that later, that Meshula gives as good as he gets.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and you know, it, it seems like Kill Raven is uh, trying to put him in his place by reminding him that he's the second best gladiator in, in the Masters Arena while they're in it together. And, uh, you know, Meshula does give back, and he, he reminds him, he's like, hey, look, man, if you ever want to defend your title again,
0: you know where to find me. Yeah, we didn't know that before that Meshula had also been a gladiator. Yeah, that... you know... Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, I was wondering, where did, where did this fit in? Yeah, because we got the Killraven backstory in the uh, earlier two issues, and at no point did it mention that he escaped with anybody else or, or that any of the, uh, the Staten Island freemen had known him before. So where did Mashula get his backstory from all of a sudden?
0: I'm wondering if later issues, I wouldn't even call it a retcon so much as, as we see when we meet the warlord, we only got a very brief snippet of what his escape looked like. But I guess, I mean, because Mashula wouldn't fit in because we didn't see him with, uh, with Killraven as he went across murdering cats and skinning them for food and for clothing. Unless like say he escaped with, Say t- like whatever other individuals and they had kinda of scattered and he just met up with him later. But I, right. I am assuming that, that that was probably not the only escape that the gladi that the gladiatorial arena ever had. But hopefully this will get explained as we go.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely hoping it gets a, a better explanation as to what exactly had happened and how Mishula played a part in Killraven's time in the arena beforehand. Uh that that being said, uh it, it looks like uh, as they continue doing their window shopping, you know, Killraven finds himself a, a new blade.
0: Yeah, it's a bedazzled S- sword.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a, a light bedazzling on it. They didn't go a little too crazy, you know, maybe a little ruby-encrusting. You know, something that looks a little bit more like a sword than the future space machete he was toting around before.
0: It definitely looks like something that, say, King Conan, when he's, you know, he's a leader, he's a king, that, that he would have used. That not, not Conan, but King Conan when he was in that, that role as royalty. That's definitely what it reminded me of, something he yeah. revealed.
1: Yeah, and he also, you know, if you keep going on page 11 at the very bottom, hooray for both
0: of us, Killraven found some damn pants he he found some pants, he's got a snazzy new belt, he's got some uh, arm guards, and um, I'm a little confused by the... I don't know it, what the hell that is. Yeah, because you would think it's something that like a knight would use to guard his neck, but it absolutely does not guard his neck. It only covers his upper chest and his only his left arm. So yeah, I've never seen anything like that, but it definitely appears to be armored, whatever it is.
1: Right, yeah, and, and I mean... I could get why it's covering only the left arm. Um, You know, if it's made for melee combat, traditionally most people are right-handed, and your blows would be coming in from your left side, your enemy's right side. So I could see why just the left arm's armored.
0: Okay, I'll take that.
1: It offers no neck protection.
0: Absolutely none. And that's what you think somebody doing sword battling would or uh, would want.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the very best, it gives you, you know, a little bit of overhead strike pr- uh, protection on your left shoulder and a little bit of strike protection from a, a sideways swing. But uh, yeah, I mean, he seems really, really happy with his snazzy new garb. The bandolier
0: and, uh, is super cool too. Cause now yes. instead of like the two straps holding up his, his panties, he's just got the one pant- bandolier and he's still got plenty of those silver stars.
1: Exactly. He's got his silver stars. He's got his freaking headband with probably his little throwing knife thingies in the back, which uh, I've not seen since uh, issue 19. And uh, he looks he looks poised for action, man. He looks ready to
0: go. I'm a big fan of this this new Killraven look, and I'm hoping that this we stick with this for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it definitely looks like he's a little more a little more suited for battle. And uh, as, we, as we move on and they're making their way out, uh, you do get a back shot of the head. And it looks like those little throwing knives that uh, I had noticed over in uh, issue 19 are no longer there, unfortunately.
0: I did notice that. Yeah. Which,
1: that didn't seem very practical. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it, was, it, it seemed like a little whimsical thing they threw in there. I thought it would have been cool if you would use that as a kind of like an emergency uh, backup plan.
0: I like that back shot you described too. We get a little better look at whatever that thing is he's wearing on his upper chest, and yeah, we get a little bit uh, better look at the 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 armor piece, like the armor pieces that it's made up of. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, it looks like kind of like a, a light chainmail or, or, or light scale type armor, and uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it'll come in handy for him. Hopefully.
0: Um, I, oh, go oh, ahead. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a polite podcast people
1: yes yes we're very polite yes
0: um so they head outside of the museum and Mashula, while uh kill raven was trying on pants Mashula went around and he's got a big sack full of weapons that they're going to take back for the rest of the freemen
1: right and uh now they're just trying to figure out how to get back to staten island because apparently they crashed their ferry boat
0: i'm assuming that's a reference to the the ferry boat of issue 19 that was uh that was destroyed by the tripod. Yes. Um, so they happen to see a deuce and a half uh, or a military truck for you civvies. Mashul um, is not convinced that this is a practical means of, uh, of, of uh, transit. Kill Raven jumps in, and he met, he. this is a callback to issue 18 where he had the flashback with the Keeper. He says the Keeper imparted some me- mechanical skills to him. He knows how to now start the deuce and a half. And surprise, surprise, he knows how to start it. That does not necessarily mean he knows how to drive it.
1: Yeah, as uh, envisioned in the lower left-hand panel where he backs into either a tree or a telephone pole. And, and all the meanwhile, uh, Meshula is...
0: Uh you know, kind of just giving him one four a little bit. Yeah, this, this again is more of their, it almost reminded me of like a Bob Hope sort of travel buddy comedy, just the banter back and forth. <laughs> but, and this yeah. is a, really a different vibe. The first two issues, 18 and 19, were very serious. This, def, this issue definitely is more lighthearted. And again, I mean, this is, the, the writer here is Marv Wolfman, and uh, I believe Gary Conway was the main writer on those other two. I actually have my notes here, and I can uh, go back and look. But yeah, so I think that that, we can credit him with the the different vibe here. Yeah,
1: yeah. It it definitely does. It is a lighter tone. It it seems a little more – it almost feels like a buddy cop movie.
0: Yeah, Gary Conway was the writer for both issues 18 and 19, and he, it, he definitely took, I think, a bit more of a, a serious approach to this. So yeah. um, they're in the, the deuce and a half. Uh, they're on their way. Meshula does not waste the opportunity to, uh, to remind Killraven that this took two and a half hours to get back to the bridge, heading back to Stanton.
1: Yep, and yep, they're making their way over to the uh, Verzano Narrows Bridge.
0: Which... Are, you, are you familiar with that?
1: Uh yeah, actually I am. I I used to see it from my high school all the time, and okay. it is it is it is exactly that. It it is a really long bridge. It's an awesome looking bridge. I've never crossed it because God, why would I want to go to Staten Island?
0: This <laughs> says that it was four thousand two hundred and sixty feet between the Brooklyn shores and Staten Island, and at least at one time, it was the longest suspension bridge on Earth
1: yeah it is definitely a, a awesome piece of architecture to look at. Uh, and uh, apparently
0: it still stands in t- this version of 2018. You would think that for how long humanity has has, has has been not in control of things and nobody doing maintenance on this, you know that actually says a lot about the craftsmanship, or at least how Marvel perceived the craftsmanship of that bridge, that it was still standing, but unfortunately not for long.
1: Right, yeah, because the Martians don't care about craftsmanship. No, uh, as as our as our two erstwhile heroes are crossing the bridge uh, out of the water, of course, uh, rises a tripod, and the first thing it does upon seeing a functioning vehicle is try to eliminate
0: it. Yeah, I I call such bullshit on this entire sequence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you hit it, the, the, the tripod hits the bridge, the bridge collapses, and what it appears to me here is they wait for seconds, like the last second before the deuce and a half the truck hits the water, and they jump out of it at the last second, like that's going to protect them from the momentum of hitting the water at their terminal velocity. That's not how physics work. It's like if you jump up in an elevator, of runaway elevator, right before it hits the ground... You're jumping up at two miles an hour doesn't negate the eighty miles an hour that you were that you were heading towards the ground. So this they're jumping out at the last second, I don't think really accomplished what at least that's what I took it, it was it was trying to illustrate, at least how I, I understood it, that by jumping out the last second they were negating some of that uh some of that inertia.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, well yeah, I'll I'll call bullshit on that one for sure. But I definitely have some issues with the next part because, you know, apparently they take the impact fairly well and they, they automatically
0: uh, start diving down. It, it had already established, too, on the last page when the tripod came up that it was resting on the murky bottom. So the fact that they're now underwater and it's, they can see where the tripod was sitting, they can find that nice beam, they can do all of this. With I don't know how many minutes this took because this wasn't this doesn't look like this would be a very simple operation but yeah. the the fact that they were in the murky water and could see all this no problem I am definitely con- this is continued bullshit for me that I yeah calling. exactly I'm they, calling they, shenanigans
1: they they could de- they I, I, they identified that the, the substrate that the freaking tripod was resting on was sandstone and it was <laughs> easily easily break broken apart so they could cause the tripod to lose balance and fall down to a, a deeper section.
0: I, I mean, well, yeah, well, guys, one of the, one of the five books that kill Raven read as he, when he escaped the Coliseum was, they were all geology books. So he could clearly through murky water identify, like you said, the sand sa- sandstone and they easily found a fulcrum that would allow them to, to, to move it in a way that's going to knock over the tripod.
1: I, I think he at least read one book on how to hold your breath for really long times.
0: Um, but that's exactly what happens. They knock this boulder, the sandstone boulder that it was standing on loose. the tripod falls over with a mighty splam, which i' I'm, yes. not, I'm not really sure that's the sound a metallic a, uh, uh I would, um, yeah, maybe a sploosh because it's going <laughs> into the water. I would take I would I would have loved a sploosh but we're at the end of our bullshit trifecta in this part because they're, as they're getting out of the water after five minutes, Meshula is holding the bag full of weapons, and I went back and looked at every damn panel, and he's definitely not carrying those weapons. So it's like he put it down, uh, helped, helped kill Raven with this, and then in the nice swimming pool, clear water, went back for the sack of heavy metal weapons and swam them to the surface.
1: Well, yeah. Didn't you do that?
0: <laughs> I am really enjoying these stories, but at this point, like I said, I had to call bullshit on every single part of that entire sequence.
1: Uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree with you on that front. Uh, so yeah, they they dragged themselves out of the murk, the uh, clear murky water, <laughs> and we we cut we cut scenes over to. Uh, Where's the head? They didn't tell you where the headquarters is. I'm gonna say it's probably Jersey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What makes Uh, you say Jersey?
1: Uh, I don't know. Where where else would you have potato head looking tentacle armed Martians?
0: Well, it's it's LaGuardia Airport. I know. Yeah, 70s cable gives us a this disgusting airport, which I didn't really think that in the middle of his. monologue about how much he hates Killraven, he would really take that time to insult the airport, but hey Cable's unpredictable
1: He, he is, and he's definitely uh, he, he, he's hell-bent on revenge, and he explains himself, you know, and he's even going so far as to presume you know, to his, his Martian master that he has the right to capture Killraven and he, he's being really dramatic about it, showing off his, his cybernetic arm, and you know, for half a
0: second, he looks like a poor man's Iron Man. <laughs> that's exactly. It looks like yeah, he's 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 like a, a a kid wearing the. Remember, like the smocks and like the plastic m- mask oh, that would bite your. T- that's exactly. God. Yeah, he's wearing the God. Iron Man smock. Um, but we do oh. learn that this has all been part of a plan to lure Killraven to the airport. That they use the the promise of of this being a uh, the the master supply depot as a lure to get kill raven there so they know he's going to be showing up there and they're going to be ready for him
1: okay i do have one one point about uh page 18 that i want to raise you know earlier we had talked about the design of the martians yes and it wasn't until i got to this point where i looked at it and i thought two things the Martians either look like what happens when you take a Mr. Potato Head and expose it to a blowtorch for a little too long. <laughs> or the late stages of a Halloween jack-o'-lantern slowly decomposing on your front porch because you don't
0: care. I, I think it's almost you taking a real potato and mixing it in with a potato head because it, it's like a real potato gets those roots that, that grow out of it. That's oh, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah what those look like. Yep.
1: There you go. It, it's I, definitely... It's losing its, like... Its otherworldly... The otherworldliness that it had in that Lovecraftian kind of horror. And it looked
0: way cooler in, I think, uh, 18 and 19. Yeah, putting and, it in the background like that yeah, did not do it in any favors.
1: No, it looks like someone took a freaking bad Jello mold and stuck <laughs> some pipe cleaners into it. And was like, hey, this is your enemy, guys. Yeah, I...
0: It also, like you said, it had that otherworldly feel. Um, Warlord or 70s Cable refers to this Martian master as Master 4. That's... I, I, I would have appreciated if it had just remained nameless. I think giving it no name, making it unnameable, again, goes to that otherworldly love-crafting love sort of horror. Right, yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, um, Warlord goes on about his uh, his really... Outrage hard on to just kill freaking Killraven.
0: Yeah, we, we learned that when Killraven escaped from the gladiatorial arena, that during that escape, um, he had dis- uh, destroyed his arm or Warlord's arm and part of his face. And I went back to issue 18 because uh, it says here we get a nice little editor's box that says only partly shown in uh, Amazing Adventures 18. So I went back. We don't see him. The only person or only thing that we see kill raven attack is the robot he decapitates Mm -hmm. so but i mean we only saw a couple panels so they definitely left themselves room if they wanted to explore that story later that there could be a lot that we we didn't see
1: yeah yeah definitely it was a real summarized version of the escape in uh issue 18 so i'm sure they could add in some stuff in there and uh, I, I hope they explain maybe a little bit more about what exactly transpired when he escaped, and give us the nice gory details of how they lopped over the warlord's arm because it must have been bad and
0: really bad because it, it got him pretty ticked off. He says that he just kill Raven destroyed part of his face. The only thing he has on his face is just the the metallic eye patch, which I'm again assuming that like Cable, that could probably. Do like maybe cool predator vision or something like that? What yeah, I the, the, the headband is holding his head, his scalp on. What, <laughs> what I really like is he has that thing that looks like a microphone in front of his face, and then yes. it goes down to his neck. It looks like a loudspeaker, like a McDonald's or like a McDonald's speaker that you would talk into to order your Big Mac. Yes. So I was hoping that later on that would pay off and we see him like announce very loudly, like, We have your men surrounded, Kill Raven, but no. Hopefully maybe next issue his personal PA system will uh will will come into play. We also uh, learn that I wonder if, what he
1: sounds like.
0: <laughs> what? Can you imagine?
1: Yeah, I mean not to offend anybody, but you know maybe maybe it's he got a tracheotomy in the process. So
0: you know, maybe his voice is always sounding like this. What I picture he sounds like is because he's got that really shitty-looking speaker on his neck, that that's where his voice is coming out of. I would picture that he would sound, or in my mind, he sounds like, like a subway, like the, the guy on the subway train announcing where you get to where you're going. <laughs> Kill Raven. And that's what it sounds like. Oh, man.
1: I wish they had a red with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And eventually, later on, with there would be some great, like, funny dialogue between him and Kill Raven later, where he's just like, rrr, 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 "My hand, rrr, rrr, Kill Raven." And kill Raven's like, "I, I took what, your hand. fuck." <laughs> what you took? You, what you want some spam? What? What? I'm you.
0: You're gonna kick me. <laughs> why? Why do you want to kick me? Um. But we also learn that what he's. It, not only was he partially destroyed, his arm and his face destroyed his face was destroyed like dr doom's face was destroyed i mean it doesn't look that serious, but he uh he was a they experimented on him in the prosthetic labs that were hinted about or were spoken about in issue nineteen that he was an early prosthetic ex- experiment and that he makes it sound like it was a, it was quite terrible
1: right yeah, and I'm sure he's really suffering from the lead poisoning and everything afterwards. <laughs>
0: Um, which might explain the the fake Iron Man esque uh, costume he's wearing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, so and it's it's he's he's also been a little upgraded. Apparently, he's stronger.
0: Yeah, they said he was. Yeah, he was in the prosthetics research lab for months, and yeah, they gave him uh, strength enhancements. Yes, we also learn that, and this is going back to what we know of the the keepers, the scientists who've been. Uh, turned by the martians that for many of the scientists they had to be tortured into submission into obedience he actually sought them out that he became a collaborator willingly oh
1: yeah yeah he is a sadistic bastard this warlord guy
0: yeah so i mean we what i took from that because he says uh other scientists you took uh you had to torture i i came willingly but then we learn that later on that he was the master of the arena. It was his men that had trained Killraven, but he had trained the men. So he's some sort of, like, master kung fu scientist. Awesome. Yeah, it, it seems like they kind of lost the narrative. They didn't realize they had inadvertently now made him two things. He had a specialty as a scientist and as a uh, melee combat master.
1: Okay. Maybe... He was a sports therapist with delusions of grandeur.
0: Again, I, well, again, this, to me, this backstory makes sense if he is Nathan Summers, if he's Cable, or to a much lesser extent, Strife. Then the, I could understand, through his time traveling, why he would have accumulated both knowledge of um, martial arts and science. That's that's cable's bag. But I mean if you really look at this, he's a guy with he's an older gentleman who's stocky, cybernetic arm, cybernetic enhancements, who uh is in a post apocalyptic future. That only describes cable. Truth. Yes.
1: So yeah, he makes a, a good uh, good show of, you know, breaking stuff with his cybernetic arm and his little temper tantrum of rage about wanting to kill Kill Raven and reiterating that he's the warlord. He's not just a warlord. He is the warlord. Yeah, capital he, T, Capital W <laughs> deal.
0: And he's very single mindedly single-mindedly just obsessed with, with Killraven and murdering him.
1: Right. Speaking of which, are our, our, our heroes Killraven, the Freeman, Mashula, coming on along the perimeter of LaGuardia Airport. And you know, uh Mashula, I believe, has some misgivings about what's going on here.
0: Yes. Yeah, they, uh, they, they, they're, they're starting to, to realize it's a trap. And like Killraven says, that he, uh, he spent too much time with the Masters to forget their stinking smell. So they, they're realizing it's too easy.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they're realizing it is definitely too easy. But they're going
0: in anyways. Uh, talking about scientists, at the bottom of page 21, you have Killraven. Then we see the back of Mashula's head, and the guy next to them... He's a bald guy with a mustache and looks like maybe a purple cape or coat. That is clearly Dr. Mindbender from G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. And yeah, we got Sideburns guy over there next to him.
0: Yeah, who doesn't really look like anyone. No, no. He's just, he's just there. Just a profile. Apparently, I wrote in my notes, um, Nathan Summers goes with post-apocalyptic futures like Lindsay Lohan goes to blow. I don't even know if that makes sense, but there you go, readers, or <laughs> listeners. It
1: makes sense.
0: <laughs> and if you're listening, Lindsay, I'm sorry, get some help. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> I want another Kirby sequel, Call Me. Or Herbie, I should say. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh... they, they break through the fence. Uh, Kill Raven uh, uses another Silver Star on a, on a guard. Uh, Meshula Gets a little stab happy uh, yeah. And they, they, they're they able to Silently, which I can't imagine That th- silver star To the back of that guy's neck Killed him instantly I would imagine there would be some screaming and some yelling But hey he's. I'll, it, I'll...
1: It, it, it severed his spinal cord Man <laughs> Perfectly
0: placed <laughs> It's, I'm not saying it's not impossible. it just seems very unlikely that the the throwing star that looks like a a dull ninjas or not ninja a dull sheriff star would have that ability, but okay uh, dude, I'm being looks, too negative. It, it looks like
1: the gold star my teacher used to give me in kindergarten
0: that's exactly what I thought when I first <laughs> saw it. I thought it was like he has like gold star stickers on him. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like that would have the uh, the ability to do that much damage. I think that would stick in the back of that guy, and he would get, he would be in pain, but mostly be screaming angry about why there is a small piece of metal sticking out of his back. But no, uh, apparently no. it severed his spinal cord instantly, so he didn't even get out a surprised or startled, ah!
1: Exactly, he had voided his bowels before he hit the ground, okay?
0: Uh, not to be negative, but for the rest of the issue, we don't get any cool onomatopoeia like that would have been a cool place for one. Uh you will like the rest of the issue had plenty of opportunities. We don't get a clang or a slarm or a bang or anything.
1: Uh yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It, these guys they, they they do their stealth takedowns and they get into this armory here. And, and they seem pretty pleased with themselves They're They're just you yeah, know, they they they're happy they're in there, but there's a sense of foreboding that's uh Kill Ravens finally coming around. I think, and realizing maybe he was a little foolhardy.
0: Yeah, he he realizes again that it's much too easy, and uh, uh, 70s Cable uh, breaks in and lets him know that, yes, you've fallen into our trap. Oh, I lied. Here is, there is one last uh, onomatopoeia, and it's when, uh, yeah, it's a nice boom, because he takes his his metal prosthetic arm, and he savagely punches Killraven in the face. Yeah. The face that Killraven makes, if you remember Mike Tyson's punch out, when he would punch Glass Joe's <laughs> head to the side. It
1: looks exactly like that.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it looks exactly like Glass Joe, man. he He's just getting decked with a nice cross right fist and it's. Uh, i I mean, they really should have shown some teeth flying out, because that shit looks like it hurt.
0: It's, when I first glanced at it, it looked like there were those dots, one of them might have been teeth, but it's not but 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 none of them no, it wasn't, but yeah, like you said that's so I could hear the Mike Tyson's music and the bump bomp like sound that you would make <laughs> when you would yeah, I mean that's totally that absolutely looks like last Joe getting hit,
1: yeah, yeah, Knot well his head uh, to the side. Well, Our our boy Killraven is no Glass Joe, and uh, apparently he takes the punch and just kind of, you know, gives his cheek a little rub and throws himself back in the action.
0: Yeah, he does a cool breakdance kick off the ground, which I thought was pretty awesome.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, it totally. I mean, there should have been some hip-hop playing in the background.
0: I mean, if he had been on a piece of cardboard, it would have been perfect. Yeah. Um. And he also he 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 warns Mashula to back off. That this is his fight. That this is personal. He has a history with this guy. He's going to take the uh, the cybernetically enhanced warlord out by himself. Uh, we get the we get the nice breakdance kick.
1: Right. Yeah. He 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 gives him this great breakdance kick. And while uh while warlord is stunned or the warlord is stunned, you see Killraven leaping into action, and he's a uh, he he does this really awesome, like, tumbling... Like, I don't know what gymnastic maneuver this guy's doing here, man, but it, it looks
0: awesome. And again, I feel like I'm being very negative this issue. That was almost a Captain Kirk move, where Captain oh, Kirk God. would, like, jump on the ceiling and then just do a half-ass launch himself at some Kleons. That's yeah. what that reminded me of. But no, he, he does a full somersault in the air and he lands his feet right in uh, right in warlord's back but unfortunately just he instantly warlord recovers, recovers and again with his metal cybernetic hand just open hand chops at hillraven right to the neck man right he really could have used <laughs> that that neck armor now
1: yeah a little neck armor you know might have blunted the trauma just a little bit
0: yeah there's no way that did not like destroy his trachea
1: yeah, or at least mess up his larynx or something, you know?
0: Yeah, I was so disappointed there was no onomatopoeia for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, a good chop
0: would have been awesome right there. The next page is pretty awesome. Well, Warlord picks up. It looks like a t- giant turbine engine. But just uh, the way uh, he's picking it up. What's that?
1: There's your onomatopoeia.
0: Bam! Kind of a lamb. Yeah, I guess... A... I. I I guess we still do have the onomatopoeia. I should have looked back at my notes a little bit more carefully. It was just that, that any if there should have been any onomatopoeia, it should have been like a nice crack or something yeah. for that neck, and I was very disappointed we didn't get it.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, he throws that generator at Killraven, and, and Killraven, uh, I mean, he's on the back foot now. He's just, you know, you, you look before as he's watching him lift the damn thing, Killraven's like, oh, crap. Well, that,
0: that turbine or generator, I mean, that's bigger than Warlord is. I mean, it's taller than him. It's, it's, that's huge. And yeah. it's... So I, I understand that they increased his strength, but then did they reinforce his spine or his, his legs to be able to shoulder that?
1: They're Martians. They have adamantium.
0: Well, it, it, it's like Cyclops. <laughs> Cyclops optic beams are force-based, not heat-based, if Cyclops, say, hit a car and knocked it over like we've seen him do, the equal and opposite reaction would knock his head clean off of his body. And those are just the sort of physics that I guess I shouldn't think about so much in comic books. But all I could think of when <laughs> that guy picked up that generator was just his legs just should have just bent in the middle and cracked. And it should have, like, the the, the turbine should have fallen on him. His
1: spine should have just Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Suspend your disbelief, sir. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he throws this thing at Kill Raven, and, and Kill Raven, who's he's on the back foot, he he dodges, and he apparently dodges right into the Warlord's foot with a, a loud and resounding splack,
0: splack. Which I don't know why anything anywhere at any time ever would make a splack sound.
1: No, I'm I'm thinking and.
0: So Killraven is down on the ground, and then we see uh, Warlord lift up his, his robotic arm triumphantly all the way up and just savagely brings it down on the back of Killraven's head.
1: Okay, now, if there was ever a time for a giant crack in big, bold red
0: and yellow words, this was... It. Absolutely. See, you get it. That would have been the perfect place in this issue for the 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 the, the biggest onomatopoeia because it was the culmination of the fight too. So yeah, you, yeah if any part of that fight should have got, because that looked like a really weak kick and it got a giant splack, but that punch is really where they should have. Uh... That,
1: that punch is brutal. Okay, any, any any more brutal and he'd have been curb stomping him. Okay. I mean, kill Raymond's already down on his hands and knees. he he's, he's 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 just been on the back foot for the whole fight. He's shocked. he's he's just winded. and he just does this overhead closed fist punch with, you know, I don't know, maybe he was holding back because I mean, if he's lifting that turbine, if he's not pulling any punches, I can only imagine you know, Killraven's skull should have been caved in.
0: Yeah, that he should have caved his, sc- his skull in. Or if you hit uh, a human head fast enough and hard enough, you can knock it clean off. And yeah. I only know that because the unit I deployed with when I went to Iraq, their previous deployment, uh, I was an armor crewman. They were scanning with the tank back and forth the main gun on the tank, and they didn't see a guy on a bicycle. And so he was heading one way, the main gun headed the other, or, and it literally knocked his head off of his shoulders. So, I mean, that literally can happen. So if you just, again, quick enough and hard enough. Yep, but, well, yeah, that, I agree that the, the cracking his skull is what I originally thought would, would happen unless he had, he had definitely held back.
1: Right. Uh, so our, you know, the warlord, of course, uh, he starts monologuing which
0: every villain has to do. And again that close up on his face, that is such a I mean pull up a picture of Cable and compare that side by side. He absolutely looks like a like like Cable. He's drawn in a very similar way, his features, his hair, everything.
1: Yeah, so he he monologues and uh you know, you get a shot of Killraven laying at his feet with uh, blood streaming down his face. And, uh, yeah, then, then the generic G.I. Joe guys come on in and proceed to point lots of uh, energy guns at our, our boys, the free men, who apparently
0: didn't, you know, I guess they forgot to bring their
1: energy guns to the
0: party. <laughs> or even the swords that uh, Meshula had somehow magically saved from the wreck of yeah. the deuce and a half. Exactly. I, I also like that the generic soldiers, it looks like they're wearing yellow cummerbunds. Oh God! he yes, does <laughs> or girdles maybe? Yeah, they're wearing girdles.
1: <laughs> yeah, they—they it, it, they all forgot to bring their toys to the
0: party. What the hell? Yeah, wear your girdles, boys. This is our final victory. Look, you gotta look sharp. <laughs>
1: exactly. You know they're—they're they're definitely uh, dressed for the occasion. And our the freemen are 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 I guess uh, a little shocked to see uh, kill raven down for the count and to see the warlord pretty much just grab and kill raven by his soulless ginger hair and just kind of toying to him and kind of showing
0: him hey look this is what i did to your leader yeah, he's holding kill raven yeah, like by this hair and he's holding him like behind him it's just such a just the cat like he has his back to kill raven kill raven is absolutely not a concern for him just the, the casualness of it really shows that he's in control yeah, yeah, it, it's it's kind of like, hey, look what I found, boys. And he uh, he shares with the freemen that they'll be joining their precious leader in the area, or in the arena of the mutants. Ooh, arenas. I wonder, I wonder if that's similar to the arena of the wolf spider. Uh,
1: perhaps, perhaps. Uh, I'm willing to bet that uh, they won't have as many legs seen many eyes? Have but you seen the, the cover? Close. Uh, you know what? I've not looked at the cover. No. I, uh, I I had asked which how many issues we were doing today, so I I withheld from going into the next one, so that I could approach that one fresh without it,
0: without inadvertently spoiling anything. Truth time. I had pulled that one up accidentally twenty one, thinking it was twenty, and it was when I opened the cover. I'm like, nope, this doesn't look where we left off. But yeah, it's badass. I can't wait to get to it.
1: Uh, I am looking forward to it. Kill Raven's Exploits. As much as we nitpicked a little bit over this one with a little bit of a, having some issues with suspending the old disbelief here, uh, it's still, so far, it, it's been a, a great engaging story so far. It, it's been dynamic. It's It's been action-packed. Uh, they managed to keep the exposition to a minimal minimum and kept it pretty relevant to what's going on at the time uh, backstory is being filled in, in in bits and pieces only only in relation to what's going on in the present so it, I agree. it's definitely holding my attention
0: The pacing is really good. Like you said, it doesn't bog you down with a bunch of extra details that you don't need to know to start the story. Every story just starts you. It hits the ground running. You get a bunch of action, and it just explains what's going on the way. And I can't wait to see how this resolves itself. I'm hoping Killraven either rips off the the robotic arm or rips off his other arm. Uh, But I I can't wait. And... uh... Again, we only did one issue this week, and uh, we did some talking. And I think the schedule we came up with is the um, every other week. Um, it's good for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. we are going to release a little bit earlier our next show because I, I think we want it out for that like the, at least the week of Halloween. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't want to spoil too much of the surprise with that. Um, we did have a listener question that we had uh, opened up. Uh, last it, or last episode. What was the lamest comic that, uh, that 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 we really enjoy? You had opened up with Chobits. I don't think I really elaborated with Sleepwalker. I wanted to see some of the answers we got. We unfortunately didn't get any answers, so I'm gonna keep the question open. But Sleepwalker is a 90s hero. He uh, he looks like an alien. He comes from the mindscape, and he's in the mind of a college kid, Rick Schroeder. So when Rick goes to sleep, that's only when Sleepwalker can come out and fight crime. Yes, I know how lame that sounds. He was actually briefly, like yeah, he was actually he was briefly affiliated with the team. I believe it was called the League of Losers because of how, how he's perceived. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed because one of his powers was he had this like reality bending beam that could just distort reality like like he would tur- it, it was like uh salvador dolly had drawn whatever he had turned his vision on it was pretty cool but then they gave him like the lamest enemies like lullaby and eight ball with his atomic uh cute stick so yeah wait, wait.
1: lullaby
0: yeah she had the mutant ability that any book or no she could hypnotize people and then put them under her her power. There was also Bookworm, who whatever book he read, the characters would come alive and do his bidding. So, yeah, he... he, Okay, that sounds
1: like a cool superpower.
0: (laughs) It it was, but he was a nerdy guy that didn't have a lot of imagination on how to use it. So, it was pretty two-dimensional. So, I think that if it came about today... (laughs) It's a
1: comic book, dude. (laughs) it all real. Sorry, it's all (laughs) two-dimensional. But uh, Wait, what, what, was it was his was his reality altering beam called the dream beam?
0: That would have been that that would have been uh, more consistent with the 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 whole theme that he had. No, it was just called his warp gaze or his reality bending gaze. Oh. He had a uh, arch enemy called Cobweb. That was because sleepwalker was from a race of sleepwalkers. They, they called themselves sleepwalkers and they would patrol the dreamscape. But there's these parasitic organisms that would get into people's brains th- through the dreamscape and would feed on them somehow. So he would fight them. And that's how he was fighting his arch enemy when he got stuck in this college kid's head. But again, if that kid woke up when he was fighting crime, you know, uh, sleepwalker would disappear. So it was kind of a lame premise, but I as as a kid, that was actually the first comic book I had ever read. Wow. Well, the first one that I seriously collected. But I would say, so yeah, I want to keep that question open, and I'm also going to have a second question here, which is a lot easier. It's just, what is the favorite comic or your favorite comic that you're currently reading?
1: Oof. Uh, well, okay. For me, since uh, I'm I'm not really reading as many comics as I used to, or actually very many at all. Uh, Killrave is the only one I'm really reading, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, but if you want to go to my backlog, which I keep in the the uh, comic book garage over here, uh, I was a DC guy, and I really was invested in the Superman run. Uh, right around uh, 95 with the death of Superman. So I really enjoyed that whole story arc with the doomsday fight and you know the funeral for a friend and all that. Even the, 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 the four Supermen and the resolution of that uh, was a fun uh, story arc that I ran with for a good, I think it almost took over a year before they kind of resolved everything that was going on.
0: I would say that's probably one of the most famous comic events of all time. Yeah, I still have
1: a sealed one for whatever it's worth.
0: Um, i got to go with favorite comic book that I'm currently reading, uh, if we're staying in the Marvel realm. Uh, I'm really digging Infamous Iron Man, where Doom, Dr. Doom, is now Iron Man, and he's kind of trying for a redemption arc. I'm always a sucker for a good redemption arc, and seeing Doom try to be what he thinks a good guy is. It it it's it's a lot of fun. Um overall though, I've been really the last 5 or 6 years on a dark horse kick and their comic Black Hammers is awesome. Uh they had a uh-huh. one come out today or actually yesterday where we get to explore some of the history of uh of one of the the villains of that world, but yeah, Black Hammers great. It's these golden age superheroes, they, they're in a big, uh, comic book event. They defeat the bad guy, but they're teleported away and they're on this farm that they can't escape from. And they just, they live out their lives undercover trying to get out of this farm. And most of them are fucked up in some way. And it's just fun to read.
1: Okay. You know what? I've got to, I've got to take back that, that whole part, uh, the whole DC thing. Uh, And you just got me started when you you told me about Dark Horse. We were talking about that. And it reminded me that I forgot for about six months I was avidly collecting again. And uh, I had picked up, I believe it was the Dark Horse run of... Was it Dark Horse that did... I think it was Dark Horse that did uh, a Firefly comic book for a little while. And uh, it was written by uh, Joss Whedon's brother, I believe. Yep, Absolutely. So I picked up that run which was good but it, it it didn't totally draw me in what really got me was around that time they had the uh uh the kind of the Ms Marvel reboot with uh, Kamala Khan yes and that story arc with the Inhumans I I did that one from start to finish and really enjoyed that one it was it was really really fun to 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 get that whole Perspective on uh, a, a heroine trying to kind of figure out her role and find her place. And also the odd uh, cultural subtext that were going on since she was a, a Pakistani uh, Muslim in Jersey uh, dealing with this and also dealing with her own culture too. So that, that was a real fun, uh, fun ride to go on.
0: Yeah, I really. Like the author of that, G. Will- uh, G. Willow Wilson. She did an X Men run around the same time that I, I enjoyed. It was just adjectiveless X Men. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed. I have not enjoyed a lot of the Inhuman stuff because they're everywhere. But yeah, Miss Marvel was definitely the best thing to come out of the resurgence of the Inhumans. I, I, I like the character a lot. Yeah, I
1: definitely like that character. She's she's really cool.
0: Not to go too deep down the rabbit hole, what I, I know it's going to happen someday because Dark Horse has the the license for the Aliens and Predator comics and they like to cross over Alien with everything. I am hoping someday to get a, an Aliens-Firefly crossover. I think that would be awesome.
1: That would be awesome. What I really would like to see happen, I would like to see Spider-Ham come back.
0: Oh, Spider Ham. He was yes. uh, headline, or he was in the uh, Web Warriors comic until about a half a year or a year ago.
1: I used to love Spider Ham.
0: Yeah, he actually met another Spider Man Ham. He met Spider Ham twenty ninety nine. Oh, jeez, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I
1: mean, well, it shows you how out of touch I
0: am with Spider Ham. I used yeah. to love reading about Peter Porker. Yeah, they, they did an event a couple of years ago where it was every Peter Park. It was every Spider Man from the multiverse. Even they had the like the Spider Man from the Twinkie comics. Oh God! And they all teamed up. They even had a the spider buggy as a sentient uh, creature, and his name was Peter Parkedkar. i recommend it i was a it was a great dan slot did a great job with it it was a a good series and web Warriors spun out of it and one of the mains was spider ham and they all got a kick out of because they're all like were we all bitten by a radioactive spider he's like no i was a spider uh, bitten by a radioactive pig (laughs) (laughs) um so, oh, yeah, again, if awesome. you guys want to get in on this conversation and tell us your favorite comic book, or just tell us how much you love Spider-Ham, because we all do, um, email us at comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're, I'm going to be updating um, a blog on our website, which is at
1: comicbookdungeon at podient dot whatever dot
0: what co. It? There you go. Yep, it disappeared. Yeah, that dot co. Dot co. Um. Yeah, we kept this one under an an hour and a half, which is much better than last week.
1: Yeah, we're streamlining it. We're getting a, getting a good rhythm, getting a flow.
0: Uh, any final thoughts?
1: Uh, dude, I have no final thoughts, man. I've got a new puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's not housebroken so and an angry wife
0: that's probably wanting me back inside to help with the yeah. puppy i i i think i speak for our audience when i say the puppy should, should be named kill raven
1: no the puppy is shadow
0: okay shadow kill raven
1: anyway I, yeah, i'm sure that's <laughs> that's a reasonably short enough name that she'll respond to it
0: <laughs> it's a middle name well okay um Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, this is Mark and Cruz saying to the U.S. government, we demand to know how much of our tax dollars have been spent on Nick Fury life model decoys. We'll see you next time. Peace.